Every once in a while I get tired and I'm made to wonder if it's really true that we can bring the reign of God on earth, that we can make heaven happen here. And then I hear the cherubim and the seraphim. Friends, that's what we're told in the book of Revelation, heaven will sound like. Calling back and forth the praise of our God. Last Thursday evening, Metropolitan Community Church's Global Justice Team sponsored a conference call that featured Val Kalendi. Val is one of the founders of sexual minorities in Uganda and was a colleague and a protege and friend of our recently martyred hero, David Kato, who was murdered there less than two weeks ago because he was an out and proud leader of Uganda's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender communities. Val explained to us on the conference call how evangelicals from the United States have funded and influenced the rise of homophobia in Uganda and in many other parts of Africa. She was careful to say uh, a corrective to something you might have heard me say. I've said from time to time that we've exported that there. She said, no, we had our own. But she said, what has happened is that all of this money from the United States is fueling a rise in homophobia and is empowering the people who are promoting it all the time. And she explained to us what that meant. The abject terror many LGBT people are experiencing in her country following David's murder. And how difficult it was, even before that tragedy, to find the money and the resources that it took to be able to communicate with each other with all of the infrastructure problems that they have and the distances between them. Even though it's a small country, it can be very hard to find people when you don't have the infrastructure that you need. And it takes money. The situation that she described was about as bleak as you could imagine. And all of it, all of it traceable back to oppressive, abusive religion. Now, it was a story that I had heard before, and you've heard it too, right? I was tempted to do what you're tempted to do right now. I, I settled back into my chair in the office and, and got ready to hear what I thought was going to be a predictable speech. And then Val Kalende said something that made me sit up straight. It was so startling. She said, I believe that religious people are part of the solution, ultimately, to what's going on in Uganda. And our colleague in the faith, the great leader Robert Griffin, who is at uh, uh, Sunshine Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale, was the moderator for the call. He backed her up a, a second. He said, Val, say that again now. Why is it if you think that religion has been the source of your troubles, that you think now that religious people may be part of the solution to that. And she said, well, I have experienced something that most of the LGBT people in Uganda have not experienced. I have had the privilege of traveling in the United States and seeing Christian churches that not only welcome LGBT people, but actually allow them to be in leadership 
and encourage and empower their leadership of those local churches. A church like that in Uganda, she said, would revolutionize the debate here, would revolutionize the conversation. We would never be the same. That would do something for us, she said, that nothing else in the world could do. I sat in my office and I looked up toward heaven and I did what I always do when I know I'm being called to do something. I rubbed my eyes and I said, oh, Lord, this woman has just called us a city on the hill. Amen. She did. She called us a light to her nation. She said that we were the seasoning that ought to be put in a pot that is boiling over right now. She said that we can change the history of her country and save her people. From the perspective of Alcalinde, a place like Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, an experience like the one that we're having together this morning is an almost incredible luxury. Unthinkable. She asked us not to forget that our role is no less than changing the world. Jesus said it too when he told his followers and by extension us that we are the salt of the earth, the very thing <laughs> that, that will season and change and cure and preserve God's beautiful creation. We hear the call to action and our hearts leap within us our desire to help is strong. Indeed, many of you have written to me this week and called me to say, what, what can we do next about Uganda? But we wonder how best to help. And there's wisdom in backing up and, and stopping a minute to think about how best to help. Our ignorance of Uganda and Africa is as vast as the continent itself. And if the truth be told, for some of us, our knowledge about homophobia and heterosexism ain't all up to snuff either. We haven't quite figured out what to do about that in our own country. Am I right? Now, I just used a word, heterosexism, that some of you all have told me that I use sometimes that you don't understand. Heterosexism is privileging heterosexuality over anything else. It's pretty simple. And that's what is happening in this country every day. We feel unprepared to help a fledgling movement for LGBT equality in a small country in East Africa, in part because we don't know well our sisters and brothers there. And in large part, too, because we're not satisfied we've done such a good job of being who we need to be in changing the United States of America yet. So we have a proper uh, humility as we come into this conversation. It's strange to us to hear Val Kalende ask us to be a light to her nation. Doesn't she know that our lamp is running kind of low? Doesn't she know that the oil's about burnt out? Doesn't it feel that way to you sometimes? 
and it does to me. This morning, I want to suggest three things to you that I believe will make the world safe for Val Calende, at least safer, and also for bullied LGBT and questioning teens right here in Houston. Three things. They're not easy steps to take. They're not the sort of things that new Christians do or that people that are just right out of the closet do. These are the things that mature Christians do or those who seek to be mature. And it's pretty serious stuff, so I'm going to need a swig of water before I tell you what they are. <laughs> they are actions reflective of a maturing faith and a deepening trust in Christ crucified. First, I want to ask you all to go home and mark a date on your calendar. February 20th. It's Sunday after next. Now, it was already going to be a big day in the life of this church because it's the day that the Gospel Ensemble's concert in honor of African American Heritage Month was already scheduled. So for, for many of us, it's a red-letter day on the calendar. But we are going to make that day even bigger because on that day now, we, with the help of our friends at the Human Rights Campaign, particularly their Religion and Faith Program, which you know I used to be a part of, we're going to bring Joseph Talton to Houston and to Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church. Joseph was working with Metropolitan Community Church's global justice team to support Val Kalende's organization, Sexual Minorities in Uganda, and also Bishop Christopher Sanjoyo's uh, work at St. Paul's. Bishop Christopher is a saint of God, an Episcopal bishop, retired now in Uganda, who, if you can imagine it, is uh, Desmond Tutu arrived on the scene for this moment. If you have a picture of what it would be like to have Bishop Tutu come and address this issue in Uganda, you've got Bishop Sinjoyo. He's about this big, and he's about this big around, and he is a huge faith. Oh, my gosh. I want him to come and be with us, and we may be able to do that later this year. But Joseph's going to come and tell us about the work that Bishop Sinjoyo has been doing and how we can help. What he's doing is to provide a safe house for LGBT people in Kampala, but more importantly, he's giving them opportunities to make connections with potential employers in the business community and with civic leaders, and he's building a network of real safety that's based on real connections and real communion and real understanding, and that's different than anybody's ever done in Uganda before. When Joseph comes to Houston, we will help him to educate both the local LGBT communities because we have much to learn and also our straight neighbors around us about what's happening in Uganda and why. And the Gospel Ensemble's uh, concert is going to be the roof-raising finale of a day that I believe is going to expand Houston's consciousness around homophobia and racism and colonialism. We will never be the same after that day. I need you to go home and mark it on the book. Please don't let anything else be your priority that day. Worship here and then those events in the afternoon. 
The second thing you can do to make Houston and the world safer for LGBT people is to make a commitment to further educate yourself in order to be better prepared for the spiritual contest that is surely coming. And commit yourself to some service to others through Resurrection MCC. Now friends, I hope you have figured out after listening to me preach for about eight weeks or more that scaring you to death is not my style. It's just not my style. I don't want our faith to be based on fear. But I do want you to be wise about what's about to happen in this country. Uganda is a petri dish. It's a test market for organizations like The Family that operates out of Washington, D.C. They are funneling millions of dollars there to test out messages and strategies to see how they work so that they can then export them to places like Rwanda and, and Nigeria and even to South Africa where right now LGBT people are protected under the law. But it could change. And they are going to bring those messages and strategies back here to the United States. And in fact, we know they already are. That's what's happening. It's that serious. Here in Texas, significant political leaders are seriously proposing an end to the separation of church and state. Seriously proposing it. It is in the platform of one of the political parties in our state that we should have what is called a theocracy, where religious leaders tell the government what to do. Nothing is more dangerous to democracy and freedom than that. And, not to be too partisan about it, the other party in our state usually rolls over and plays dead and act like they're not paying attention when these things come up too. That's the reality we live in. When Jesus urges us in each new generation to study and build our spiritual resources, he is not doing that because he wants us to be holier than our holier-than-thou neighbors. That's not the point. Jesus knows that the reign of God is not going to be accomplished without stiff opposition. Christ calls us to study and pray and discern together because we are going to need the deepest possible spiritual strength if we're going to take on the opponents of love and freedom. They think they know how to win the contest for the soul of this nation and this world. They know how power works and they're not afraid to exercise power. They are pointing every weapon in their arsenal at us. If you don't think so, ask the school teachers in this congregation who are trying to implement safe schools policies for LGBT folks here in Houston. It is tough out there. In the next few days, our director of outreach, Mark Eggleston, will be convening a new outreach team to study and make recommendations about how this congregation can maximize its talents and resources in order to promote safe schools in our city and in several school districts around it. And if you want to be part of that, if you're feeling a call from God to be part of that team, please email Mark, mark at resurrectionmcc.org to let him know. That, I think, is the calling of this church. 
The challenges we face are real and our opposition is fierce. If we are to match our opposition's violence and intimidation with massive love and irresistible courage, that's our, our calling, right? Then we are going to have to draw from deep wells of wisdom and prayer and practice of our faith. Now, this is a long second point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. For the last several weeks, we have been hearing about the various classes and spiritual enrichment opportunities and service opportunities that are available to us here at Resurrection MCC. And we're going to hear more about that from Robert Fleming during the Making Ministry Happen moment in a little bit. I want to urge you this afternoon to take the few minutes that it will take after church to go to the activities building for the Seasons of Service Fair and find the place that God is calling you to further connect, to deepen yourself spiritually, your connection with God, or to be in service to your fellow man, or both. Woman's too. More inclusive language is hard, isn't it? <laughs> we try to make it easy as possible for you by identifying things on a journey map, on a spiritual journey map. And I've, 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 got, a, I've got a handy aid here for your edification. Take out your worship folder, please. And in the middle of it, on this side, you'll see an explanation of the journey maps. You and your personal journey are described somewhere in one of these five or six things that are here. Is yours a seeking journey? Is yours an exploring path, a deepening path, a serving path, a grounding path, some combination of the two? As you go over this afternoon after church to the Seasons of Service Fair, if you think about that before you go there, you'll know which things are for you. And Spirit will guide you beyond that. Friends, if you can't go this afternoon, and by that I don't mean you just don't want to go or you're going to hurry off to the party for the ball game tonight. <laughs> if you really, really can't go, or if you go and you still don't find your spot, please take the time this week on Monday, not on Tuesday, on Monday, to email Reverend Michael Diaz, our Director of Connections. Michael, Rev. Michael. Rev. Michael at ResurrectionMCC.org. Now... Uh, what he can do is to help you find your right connection. That's what he's here for, and he wants to do it. Please do not worry that you will overburden his inbox. <laughs> what a wonderful problem that would be, to have more, heaven forfend, that he would have so many emails from folks saying, help me, Michael, to find my right place of service and growth, spiritual growth, because we know what is coming, and we want to be part of changing the world redeeming God's world for Christ crucified. If uh, he gets too many of those emails, Reverend Janice, Reverend Kristen, and I will help him out. It'll be all right. Amen. Finally, I want to give you that third point. In order to build a more just and humane and godly world, I want to ask you to go home this week and spend a little time with your checkbook 
or your Quicken program. Now, friends, I haven't talked about money in eight weeks in a sermon, so please don't go home mad at me. And you first-time visitors, for goodness sake, don't say, this was the week, oh, I knew it when I got there, all they talk about is money. Uh, please come on and stay with me. I'm going to give you two minutes on this and then be done. Go home, please, and look at your checkbook. And I want you to prayerfully call up the calculator on your computer and calculate the percentage of your take-home pay that you are currently investing in changing the world through Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, because that's what we're about here. And see what it is. Is it 2 or 3%? Ask God if God will help you to be able to do 3 or 4% this year instead, to increase by 1% the amount that you're giving to our church. Is it 7 or 8%? Ask God if God will help you to live on 93 or 98% of what you make. Right? I did my numbers wrong. 93 or 92%. You get my point. We can live on 90% of what we make, friends. We can. We can. Ask yourself and God, more importantly, prayerfully, if you can increase by 1% the amount of money that you are contributing and investing to the work of this church. Because right now, frankly, in this time when it is so clear that we must be doing more, we must be, we're going to be having to make some really difficult decisions in the next few weeks about which line items to cut and which positions not to fill that we've been planning for in our budget. Uh, we will make those decisions. We pinch pennies until they squeak around here. And we pinch bodies until they do too. We are being efficient and effective with the donor dollars that you're putting in the plate now because after you put them in the plate, they're gods. And we take that very seriously. And we take seriously every contribution you make, whether it's $5 or $500 a week. But please, go home and pray prayerfully about that. Think if you can do that. I want to challenge you to do it, not because I like talking about money. I don't either. I want to do it. And here's another, just a quick note. Friends, if you're on a fixed income or you're not working right now, I want you to ignore what I just said. Hear me clearly. If you're not working and you're on, or you're on a fixed income and barely making it, I want you to know that this church stands with you in this time of trouble at your house. Please do, though. You go home and ask God what you can do with the time that may be on your hands. What your talents can be and how you can give them. And what you can use this time to do to learn in order to deepen your faith. You too have a prayerful challenge from the pastor today. I wouldn't ask if I didn't honestly believe that an investment of yourself and your treasure in Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church wouldn't change your life. But I know it will. I know it will. I think no eye has seen nor ear heard nor mind imagined the blessings God has in store for us if we're willing to really commit ourselves to the work of this church. I do know that the lives of school children in our city 
and the lives of our LGBT sisters and brothers in Uganda are depending upon it. Amen. Amen. Amen.